Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. For all of those mothers, those mother figures, those people that have been mothers to other people, then Happy Mother's Day. We hope that you have an incredible, incredible day. It's not Mother's Day in the UK, so it was previously, so I get to have two Mother's Days. (laughs) Dual nationality, the benefits, amen? So I'm going to be talking to you today. I'm going to go straight through because we've got um, a lot that I want to unpack Um, For those of you that's taking notes, Pastor Ed just said that my name is SJ. Um, I've had the incredible honor of being part of this church. For me, every time I come back, it's coming home, um, and it's good to be home. Amen. And how amazing are our pastors? Um, I've missed them. You have incredible... Yeah, they deserve a round of applause. We can do that. Just want to honor them this morning. Amen. So for those of you taking notes, um, the title of my message today is A Purpose Driven Life. Turn to your neighbor and say, A Purpose Driven Life. So today is Mother's Day, and I'm going to be looking at two um, mothers that we're going to be unpacking a little bit of their life. We're going to be exploring a little bit of their life, and we're going to be seeing what we can learn from that. So if you turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, otherwise it will be on the screens, to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 9. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. And it says in it from verse 1, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with ashpalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for for you from the Hebrew women, and she may nurse a child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maidservant went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Now, the first mother that we're going to be looking at is Moses' mother. Now, for me, this is an incredible example and woman of faith. She was able to recognize, you've got to remember, when we read the Bible, sometimes we read it and we read the whole thing, and we... Um, you know, it can almost seem normal, the actions of the person that we're reading about. So just to give you a bit of background history, they were killing all the Hebrew boys. They were killing all the Hebrew children. So she, she's hiding him as long as she can. And then she gets to the point where she's got this son Moses. She can see purpose. She can see destiny. She, she knows that there is a call on this child's life. She can't hide him any longer. So she releases him. And she understands that there's a point where she can't, there's a limit to where she can go and the rest is up to God. 
And for me, what we've got to recognize with this example is there's no point of reference with Moses' mom. It's not like she can say, oh, yeah, um, Lucy done that yesterday and, you know, God came through and he delivered Johnny. She's got no point of reference. She takes a child and I've got my three-month-old son, Ezra, there. I can't imagine taking Ezra, putting him in a basket, letting him go into crocodile-infested waters and just hoping for the best. Any mums in here ever done that? No? We panic if we, you know, we won't even leave the pram alone, let alone go put a basket in a river. But she does that. And why does she do that? Because she recognizes that there is purpose and there is destiny on this child. And she recognizes that if there's purpose and if there's destiny on this child, then God is the one that's put it there. And if God is the one that's put it there, he's the one that's going to preserve it there. And the first lesson as mothers that we need to learn is that what we've been given, what we've been gifted with is purpose. What we've been gifted with is destiny. And the first point as a mother that we need to recognize is if God's given it, God's going to sustain it. If God's given it, God's going to bless it. If God's given it, and our job is literally to usher out that destiny and that purpose. Can you say amen? So whether you are a mother or not in here today, God has entrusted each and every single one of us with purpose. Each and every single person in here has a calling on your life. It says that before you even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. And if he knew you, then he called you. Because nothing that God does is by coincidence. It's not by accident. It's not you weren't just an oopsie-daisy baby regardless of what your parents think. There's no such thing to God. He purposes and he plans. He says he knows the very hair on your head. Amen. So Psalms 127.4, you don't need to turn there, but it says that children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children in one's youth. I love the analogy used here. If you imagine, um, how many of you seen what... um, what movie is it where the girl's got, she's an amazing archer. There's, what movie is it? Was it? Brave. Where she's an amazing archer. And if you see archers, what they do is they aim and they, the things that they can do with an arrow is incredible. And the Bible says that children are like that in the hands of a warrior. If you have children, it says that you can aim them and shoot whichever way you want them to. You are the bow that you're training them, you're aiming them, and when you release them, they will go whichever direction you send them. So for me as mothers, as congregation members, when we've been gifted with purpose, when we've been gifted with destiny, imagine that is your arrow. And it's been placed in your hand. The question that we need to ask ourselves today is, What are we doing with that? Which way are we aiming it? Which way are we are we putting that? And I love the analogy that he used that as in the hands of a warrior. There's something on the inside of us where we need to be warriors in the kingdom of God. Where when God has purposed us with destiny, when he's blessed us with destiny, when he's given us 
destiny is for us to begin to fight for our faith. It's for us to begin to fight for our children. It's for us to begin to fight for our marriages. It's for us to begin to fight for purpose, for destiny, for call. And the thing that grieves me the most about this generation of Christian today is we're not warriors anymore. We've stopped fighting. We're not on the front line anymore. It's case sarah, sarah. Whatever will be, will be. We wake up every day and whatever that day unfolds as, that's what it's going to be. But I'm, I'm talking to a generation that I hope I can get up today where I'm not going to wait for what's going to happen what's going to happen, I'm going to actually get to the point where I decide what my day is going to be. Because I wake up with purpose. I wake up with carrying a gift and a call. I wake up carrying the knowledge that the children that have been blessed under me, the marriage that has been put under me, the, the job that has been put under me, the family members that have been put under me is for a purpose. And when I understand that, all of a sudden, I don't just shoot into the air with the arrows and see where it lands. But I get out my war paint. And I get ready to war that day. And I recognize that I'm in a war. And so I'm going to aim that arrow and I'm going to aim to shoot. And I'm going to aim to kill. I'm going for the bullseye. But if you don't know where the bullseye is, if you don't know that you're even supposed to aim... If you don't train yourself, how do I train myself to become a warrior for Christ? I have to get into the word of God. I have to get to the point where I know the word of God for myself. I have to get to the point where I know God for myself. That means that it cannot stop on a Sunday morning. The beginning and end of my Christianity and my Christian walk cannot stop in these four walls. It has to come when I get home. It has to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where Christianity is who I am. I don't pick up my Bible for the first time when I'm on my way to church. I pick up my Bible during the week because you know what? You can take everything away from me. But if I have this, I can get it all back. Take it all away, but this tells me how to get it back. It tells me how to keep it. It tells me how to walk it. And if I'm relying on Pastor Ed's revelation or Pastor Gail's revelation, that's all it's ever going to be. Pastor Ed's had to go through his fire. He's had to go through his relationship. He's had to go on the battlefield. But now it's our turn. It's our turn to begin to war for this generation. Because the devil is not backing down. So when we become parents, when we become mothers or fathers, God expects us to see our children as tools, weapons that we can use for his glory. But we have to learn to aim. So what is the purpose of having children? Is it so that we have someone that looks like us? Is it so that we can like put presents under the tree at Christmas? Is it so that we're not lonely? No, what has God entrusted into our hands? It's to be able to reproduce life. And it's to be able to raise up a generation of Christians that will keep this, this fire going. We had forerunners that came before us. And they passed the baton on. Because of what has gone before us, because of the blood that has been shed, we are able to sit in church freely today. We are able to hold a Bible in our hands. Someone had to pay a price for that. Is the war over? 
Is there still a contention for our faith? Are you on fire enough that the next generation will come after you and they will still continue to burn? Because if you're not burning now, the next generation after you, it's going to be a little fizzle. The generation after that, there's not going to be anything. So if I'm not passionate, if I'm not on fire, if I'm not sold out, then that means the generation after me, my, my aim and my goal with having children is to raise giant slayers. My aim and my goal of my children is they have to burn brighter than I've ever burned. My goal and my aim is I pray over them a double portion of what I have. I don't want them to burn as bright. I don't want them to be a Christian. I want them to put me to shame. I want them to make it look like I never burned. Because of the way that I have instructed them and I've trained them. But that is what we call intentional parenting. And today we are, we are, at, we are at jeopardy of parents that are just not got, a, they don't have a plan. You've got these children that have been entrusted to you. And we're not parenting them intentionally if we're honest. Every day we don't have an intention with our children. What does that mean? The Muslims do it very well. They intentionally parent their children. They make sure my children have Muslim, uh, Muslims in their class. They go to religious studies every Saturday. Every Saturday. They know their sacred writings. They know their belief systems. They know their traditions. The Jews do it. They make sure that their children know. And so it doesn't die with the next generation. As Christians, we've stopped intentionally parenting. We're not passing on the banner. We're not passing on the baton. And then we wonder why the Christian church is in the condition it is today. Because we as parents are being silent. Do your children's teachers know that your children are Christians? Do your children's teachers know what you believe? I sat with my, teach, uh, my children's teachers and I, I gave them a letter. I went through everything from Halloween to um, religious studies to sex to... I, I listed it all. This is who my children are. And they will not conform. If you will create vegetarian meals for other religions, you will create an environment that my children, under Section 9 of the Human Rights Act, will be able to demonstrate their religious beliefs. And I actually just had a head t- uh, one of the heads of my first year override one of my instructions. I'm meeting with the head when I get back. Because the Christians have been silent too long. You will learn that my children are not of this world and they will not conform. That's my right. Because I am raising, I told him, I said, Mr. Maddox, I am, this is not optional. My children will serve God and they will do it unashamedly. And until they can speak for themselves, I'm their mouthpiece. 
And as mothers, you need to be that warrior that walks into your child's classroom. It is not my, the school's job to raise my children. It is not social media's job to raise my children. It's not the internet or the TV's job to raise my children. I'm intentional with my parenting. I'm raising a generation that will know God for themselves. I'm raising a generation where you're not trying to be like everybody else. You are separate. You are a pilgrim you're walking through. It's not your job to be part of it. It's your job to make a change to it. We are raising world shakers and history makers. But the only way that we're going to be able to do that as parents, as mothers, is by being intentional. Amen? John chapter 12, verse 28, you don't need to, 25, sorry, says this. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What does this scripture mean? When you understand that this life is not given to us to be lived out through our selfish desires, our life does not belong to us. It's on loan. And at the end, we will give an account for it. Moses' mother recognized this fact that it would have been this that would have motivated her to release Moses into a crocodile-infested water, believing with no point of reference that God would preserve her son. Joshua chapter 4 verses 4 to 7 talks about building a memorial so that everybody that comes afterwards would be able to look and see that this is, this is who God is. Each and every single one of us, whether you're a parent, whether you're not, each and every single one of us, if you want to know what your primary call is, is to create a memorial with your life, with your children's life, with your marriages, with your businesses that reflects Christ. So that when people look at us, they see epistles of Christ. When they look at our life, they should read Christ. It should redirect them back to Christ. So we are to create a memorial on this earth for God through our lives, through our children, through our marriages, through the way that we do business. So when the generations come behind us, they will look at our lives and see Christ. The Bible says we are supposed to be epistles read of men. So if someone was to read your life today, would it direct them to Christ? Would it act as an epistle of Christ? What would it look like? Whether we realize it or not, intentionally or not, we are writing the story of our lives. And when we go and we leave this earth, that's what people are going to read. You want to evangelize and witness to your family? Let your life reflect Christ. Because I can preach all day. But if my life doesn't line up with the word of God, it's in vain. But when my speech, when my walk when my actions, when the way I do things line up with God, that's when people are changed. That's when they see something different. That's when they want what I have. But we have to get passionate. We have to get intentional. Amen. So every single day since the day my children have been born, I pray every single night with them and I worship every single night with them. And for those of you that are working moms and it's, it's not easy when you've got dinner to cook and you are dealing with children and all of this stuff. But I have made that time every single day since the day they're born. Because as parents, sometimes it can seem like we're just doing, we're just doing, we're just doing. 
But then after a while, what ends up happening is that we begin to see the fruit and the manifestation of it. And what I began to see is now, I used to always be the one praying. I used to be the one leading worship. I used to be the one doing everything. And now my kids have, I'm starting to see a relationship with God for themselves. Where they're praying for their school friends. They're praying for their year groups. They're witnessing and they're evangelizing. They're passionate about seeing their classmates saved. They're they're passionate about the things of God. Amen? So when you know your purpose and what you're going and what you're doing, you know why you're doing it. So when we are raising our children, we need to know that we are raising them with purpose. When we get to the point where we no longer move by the opinions of men, but are moved by destiny or purpose, we will live a very different life. The thing with purpose and destiny is we don't always get to see the fruit of it straight away. Sometimes we can carry a dream, a promise for years, and it seems like God is silent. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 1. It says, Now there was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerohoth, the son of Eli, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, an Ephraite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Verse 4. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. Although the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then let's skip down to verse uh, 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant wicked, a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now the thing with purpose and carrying purpose is sometimes you don't get to always see the fulfillment of it straight away. Sometimes you can carry it for years. Sometimes you can carry it for months. And the point is to keep your focus and your goal on Jesus Christ. And know that he is more than able. Faith is simply put, seeing as God sees. It's simply put, seeing as God sees, the very very simplified version of it. If you've been given something today, whether it's a child, whether it's a dream, whether it's purpose... You have to carry that. And sometimes you can see the manifestation of it straight away. Sometimes there's seasons that you're going to have to walk through where it feels like God is silent. But you have to 
lean on the fact that if God has blessed it, if he's sanctified it, if he's given it to you, like with Hannah, she wanted a child. But how many of you know there was a season where she couldn't see the manifestation of that yet? She had to go through a season of walking that out. She had to go through a season of carrying that out in faith. And I love what she said. It says that the minute that she prayed and he said, God's heard you, it says she got up and she ate. That's such an incredible act of faith. And I want to demonstrate something to you today. Um, can I borrow my friend, please? Padeep? Is that right? Padeep's going to help me with a little illustration. Are we insured, Fossid? Okay, Padeep, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to come down here, if that's okay. I need you to lie on the ground for me. I'm going to come down there with you. So, on your tummy, Padeep. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not going to make you start exercising. And then I'm going to get you to face the congregation, Padeep. So, turn, turn a little bit more. This way. Face the congregation. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Flat. Lie flat. Okay. Now look up for me and just tell me what you see. Just what you can see right in your immediate vision. Floor and chair legs, feet, shoes, purses. That's pretty much it. Perfect. Okay. Now, Padeep, follow me up onto the stage. Now, I'm going to get you to do the same thing, but lie here. Now, tell me what you can see. Um, you can see faces, heads, chairs, and people sitting. Okay, perfect. Here. I'm going to get you to climb up as high as you can. <laughs> now, hold on to this bit. I won't catch you if you fall, just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> Okay, now tell me what you can see. Uh, I can see everyone. I can see people have their Bibles, their phones, people waving at me. <laughs> yeah, I can see everything. Smiles. Thank you, Padeep. Let me help you down. Are you okay? Perfect. Now, Padeep, did anything in the room change? Yeah, when I was down, I couldn't see much. When I was here, I could see more. When I was at floor, I couldn't see everything. But did anyone come in or out of the room in that time? Did anything change in terms of where anyone was positioned? No, nothing. No, so what changed with Padit? His perspective. So if we as Christians live down here, that's what we're going to see. When people that are driven by purpose, the difference is not where you're placed, it's how you're placed. So if I live, I can live my whole life down here. I can raise my children my whole life down here. And that's what I'm going to produce. But when I begin to rise in God and I allow faith to rise in my heart and I begin to see as God sees, it doesn't mean that anything changes. It means my perspective changes. With Hannah, the reason why she got up and ate is because she had been down here and then the man of God spoke something to her raised faith on the inside of her and she went up here as parents as congregation members as Christians we have been given purpose 
We have been given destiny. But our perspective, the way that we look every day, what we see will determine what we get out of this life. If you're going to live a purpose-driven life, You need to see as God sees. You need to hear as he hears. You need to lock into the spirit of God. You need to spend time with him. If you're raising children, you need to be on the heartbeat of Christ. You need to listen. God, you know what? As you instruct me, God, it says train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. God, I'm going to keep training. And I'm going to keep training. And I'm going to keep training. I'm going to keep putting in until I, until I see the manifestation of what you call me to do. For those of you that are raising children where they may be wiling out, it may look like that they're not on track, that they're not serving God. You need to grab hold of the promises of God right here. And you need to say, God, it may look like from this perspective that they're not serving you, but your word says that if I train my child up in the way they should go, they will not... As for me and my house, we will serve the living God. I changed my perspective today. I changed my viewpoint today. It doesn't matter what it looks like. If I serve Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, even with my finances, it doesn't matter what my bank account looks like. If I'm serving Jesus Christ, it's not based on the, the system of this world. It's based on my viewpoint of Jesus Christ. And today I choose to put my gaze on Christ. Amen. Amen. So we see a man that basically, we see two gentlemen that come forward. One is an accountant. And they're about to stand before the throne room of Christ. And we see an accountant come forward and he's been an accountant his whole life. And God says, I called you to be a pastor. Then we see a pastor come forward and we see that him say that I called you to be a businessman. And then we see a mother come forward and she says, all I did was raise three children. And what we hear him say is, yes, but those three children went on to impact 1.1 million people. Now, it doesn't matter what is in your hand. It's that you do what God's told you to do with what's in your hand. It doesn't matter whether it's just raising three children. It doesn't matter if it's just that business or just that marriage. If God has placed it on the inside of you, if he's given it to you, it's to, it's to rise with purpose with that. It's to make sure that God, before I leave this earth, I can say that I've done everything that you called me to do. To live a purpose-driven life is to live a life where your focus is on Christ. To live a life where you are sold out to the core. We need a generation of people that will stand up for Christ. If you have been given children, whether they are 17 or 50 or 5 or 3 months, you've been given purpose. And we desperately, desperately need a generation of Christians that will stand up and say, I'm going to be intentional with my Christianity. I'm going to be intentional with the way that I do things. I'm going to be intentional with the way that I am for Christ. I'm going to be intentional with what I am with my life. 
Because when I'm intentional, my life looks different. It sounds different. It is different. So today, what are you doing with what God has placed on the inside of you? When you wake up every day, is it just hoping for the best? Or are you living a life of intention? A purpose-driven life is an intentional life. Someone said that no one that has become successful done that by accident. You intended to. Your life will be what you intend for it to be. If you're keeping the company of fools, you're going to be destroyed. If you're keeping the presence of God, he's going to add all these things to you. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But we have to seek him, church. We have to seek him while he may be found. We have to be intentional with our faith. We have to become warriors in the spirit realm where we see that what God's given us is like an arrow. And today I pray that you will shoot and you will aim and you won't stop till you hit the target. And that target has to be impacting the next generation for Christ. The target has to be that we are going to impact the lives of those around us. Can you say amen? Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.